you around the world right from your desktop. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. And welcome to our show, and welcome again as we celebrate National Disability Employment Awareness Month. And I have to tell you, I've had a smile on my face all day on the way into work knowing who my guest was today. Because for me, she is truly a civil rights leader fighting a fight that no one but she has been fighting with such passion, and that is for Americans with significant disabilities to worship equally as everyone else does and be able to get into their place of worship. And I just want to tell you, this is a woman who works every day, every single day, day in, day out. She has such passion First, for us to get into church, but I also want to mention she is, to all of us in Pennsylvania, the First Lady of Pennsylvania, it's my great honor to have Jenny Thornburg on the show. And Joyce, it's my honor to be on Disability Matters, the absolutely wonderful radio show that you have hosted for many years. This is uh, this is an important educational forum, and we are all grateful to you. Well, I I am just delighted to have you on the show today. And, Jenny, as I was telling our listeners, you are just doing such a wonderful and an important thing, fighting this fight for our listeners across North America hearing our show today to be able to enter their house of worship just as anyone else would. Would you mind sharing with our listeners what you do and what this is all about and what made you start doing this? Uh, sure, uh, Joyce. Um, I am the, the mother of four sons, adult sons, and my third son, Peter, has a disability. His disability is an intellectual disability. And even as a child, as a young child, he loved to worship. He loved to do everything in the congregation of friendship and fun and quiet times and music and activities. He just was one of those children and now adults that felt totally comfortable in the house of God. And I would watch people interact with Peter, and some people didn't quite know what to make of him or what to say to him or how to incorporate him or the key thing is how to see him as a man with gifts and talents to bring to his congregation. And I think that was the birth of this program when I realized that our nation needed an education. It needed to realize that those of us with disabilities have not only a right to be totally welcomed and honored and respected in our congregations, but we have so much to offer our congregations. So the uh, program was born uh, 17 years ago. Our president, Alan Reich, oh. who is such a an important uh, founder of the disability mm-hmm. movement and um, just recently, just this year, died. Alan um, invited me to take on this program, uh, which was starting a program, and it's called the Religion and Disability Program. And, of course, it's here at the National Organization on Disability in Washington. We 
advocate for 54 million Americans, which is, as you know, Joyce, about a fifth of the American people. And uh, the Religion Disability Program started small, but it started under the wing of a wonderful pastor named Harold Wilkie. Mm-hmm. And uh, Reverend Wilkie, many of your listeners will know, was um, a United Church of Christ minister and an interfaith advocate, meaning he honored all faith traditions, and he was a man who had been born without arms. And he was a gifted theologian, advocate, storyteller, and he's the person who taught me how to do this work. This work is, um, this. our program, Joyce, is interfaith. Uh, we are more concerned that someone with disability uh, be welcomed in the church or the synagogue or the temple or the mosque or the meeting house uh, of their choice, not what their religion is, but how are they welcomed and honored. And uh, it's really Peter Thornburg who, um, who got me to realize that this was an educational effort that was very, very important. And the first... Um, the first accomplishment within two or three years was publishing a guide called That All May Worship. That All May Worship. And this guide is now in its seventh printing. It's so popular, and it's uh, available on our website. Your listeners may want to take a look at our website because it's got all kinds of things, but I'm particularly fond, of course, of the religion portion. That website address is www.nod.org slash religion, and there you'll have all kinds of offerings and opportunities, including um, the opportunity to purchase uh, one of our four guides, and the one I would recommend that people begin with is called That All May Worship. And it is an excellent, may I say, an excellent uh, publication. It is. I know there's a, right in the front, there's a dedication to Reverend Harold Wilkie, who you were talking about, but I mean, I would... I would suggest everyone to go to that www.nod.org to go to this, look this up and download it because it is absolutely excellent. And what is interesting to me, Jenny, is that it is through your desire for your son to not just be able to work, to go into the church, but also, of course, participate. Well, and that's uh, sadly um, often the case uh, that one of us with disability can get in, um, but <laughs> that's kind of the end of it. Um, those of us with disability have enormous leadership opportunities. We we hope will be seen as leaders and contributors, and to just get in doesn't do it. We think a, a full life of faith is, of course, worship. That's central, but it's also study, uh, the right to study the scriptures of one's faith, service, the right to serve others. Many people with disabilities have been served, but they long to serve other people, and congregations can make that possible. And, of course, leadership. So it's it's a full life of faith is worship, study, service, and leadership. And, uh, for example, my son Peter has been a greeter. Uh, one of his um, things that he does particularly well is greet people when they come to worship. And I just think being greeted by Peter is a pretty darn wonderful thing. He's also had the opportunity one time, and I was present, to light the candles. Uh, uh, that was a, Peter has an unsteady gait, and it was, the whole congregation was holding its, 
heart and holding its breath, watching Peter with a taper, lighting the candles to perfection. (laughs) So just assume if you're a religious leader listening that you've got enormous numbers of people in your congregation who who want to lead um, as well as worship. Yes, and they all have souls. (laughs) <laughs> That's for sure. I want to tell you, I've I've not yet had the opportunity to tell this to Jenny, but she had really a great impact on me because I, when I would attend church on Sunday, I always noticed that there were no sign language interpreters. So when people would be, you know, speaking, yes, they have some things, you know, they have words for the songs, but not when people are speaking. They have no form of interpretation for those who are from the deaf community or hard of hearing. And this really bothered me. So what I started doing is I thought, I called Jenny and I talked to her about this. And I started over a year and a half ago. She said to me, Joyce, be patient, but you can make a difference. And so every week on my tithe, I would patiently, where it says other, write down to be used for sign language interpreters. Mm-hmm. And I have been doing this for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And I am very proud to tell you that just two weeks ago, I saw in our bulletin that we are now providing sign language interpreters at our church. And that took vision on your part, but it also took Focused, constant activity on your part. Yes, um, and I did. I talked to them. I, talked <laughs> I to really them congratulate Jen, you. I talked to them, but yeah. Jenny is the one that told me when I would speak to them, she would say, don't, you know, be patient. Just keep talking to them. But, but you know what? The church called and they thanked me, uh, you know, for keeping with this. Mm-hmm. And now, you don't know, I just was so thrilled to see that. Yeah. And and so, Jenny, you, you had an impact on me and on that church just from listening to you. Well, here's the next step. Uh, Your congregation probably advertises in the newspaper, local newspapers, and you'll want to put put the interpretive sign on your advertisement. Yeah. Because we need to tell the world when a congregation is a place of welcome, we've got to let the world know about it. Your religious leader can put the interpreted sign on his or her business card. Uh, that's the way the world knows when a place is really committed to treating people with disabilities with dignity and respect. Well, that is a great idea, and I will tell that to our church because I, I was so excited about this. I really was. But, Jenny, I was very proud very proud when I got to drive down to Washington, D.C. to see, to attend the leadership conference on civil rights in 2005 and see you as a recipient of the Hubert H. Humphrey Civil Rights Award. So proud all of us were that know you, and I wondered, what did that mean to you that day? Um, well, you're going to have to tell me after break. Okay. As we come back, hold on. For sure. If you're listening to the show now... When we come back, we'll talk to Jenny about that award. We're talking to Mrs. Jenny Thornburg. What an honor for you to hear her words. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, on voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back.
the world leader in Internet talk radio. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. Albert Einstein once said, Nothing happens until something moves. Will your movement towards realizing a dream, making a long-lasting change to your life, or simply putting a daily smile on your face is just a click away. Tune into Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney and Free Your Mind. Open your heart and ignite action in your life. Host and commander in change, empowerment coach, and international speaker, Scott Chesney shares his insights to making the most out of your daily lives. Scott interviews people who are maximizing their lives, the most recognizable transformationalists, and leaders around the world, as well as those hometown heroes that move, touch, and inspire the best in all of us. Stay tuned into Maximizing Life for Scott's one-on-one coaching with callers. Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney broadcast each Monday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney, inspiring you to live life with passion, purpose, and limitless potential. Go beyond success and discover a deeper meaning to life. Join host Jeffrey Gitterman and his guests, the premier thought leaders in business, politics, science, spirituality, and culture, who have reached the pinnacle of financial and professional attainment in their fields, only to discover a profound lack of fulfillment with what our culture defines as success. So won't you tune in every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific time to Jeffrey Gitterman and Beyond Success, redefining the meaning of prosperity, right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. The powerhouse of Internet Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And welcome back, and we are speaking to Jenny Thornburg, Mrs. Jenny Thornburg, Director of Religion and Disability Program for the National Organization on Disability, and truly a civil rights leader in this company, in this country for Americans with disabilities. And that's what we were talking about right before we went to break. I mentioned to Jenny how excited we were here in Pennsylvania to go to Washington, D.C., to the very prestigious Leadership Conference on Civil Rights to see her receive the Hubert H. Humphrey Civil Rights Award. What I was asking her is, Jenny, what did that mean to you that day, that evening, I should say? Well, first of all, as, as your audience remembers, uh, Vice President Hubert Humphrey had a granddaughter, a wonderful granddaughter with disability, and he was so proud of her and taught the nation it demonstrated his love for this granddaughter to the nation. So he learned it, disability love in his family. Um, what was important to me about the award was that our community, the disability community, has not put much muscle uh, behind access, spiritual and religious access. We've done a lot in, in employment, in education, and in transportation, health care, community integration. But our community hasn't 
attended to the right to be welcomed in the the house of God of your choice. And it seemed to me that the leadership conference was saying, you know what, this is important. And and so it, it was a great night and a great honor. I thank you for mentioning it. Oh, we were so proud. And I'll tell you something that really stood out in my mind. You know, they showed um, a video of, of the different people, the recipients, and, of course, Jenny was the recipient of this award. And as she was talking, she said, you know, I think about this every day, all day. And you know what? I believe that because this initiative is so important. But really, that is what it takes. It takes that passion, you know, like like uh, you have and uh, Justin Dart and Yoshiko Dart and so many people to really make that difference. But what, what bothers me is that why in the world would it be that religious congregations of all groups would be the group to not get this about opening their doors to all people? Why, sure. why would you think that is? Well, a, a couple things. First of all, many of us, our disability is not apparent. Um, some of us, our disability is more obvious because we use a wheelchair or a scooter or we use a companion go- dog or a guide dog. But most disability is not apparent. And people don't reveal their disability in their congregation and yes, in, in, unless the congregation is such a place of love and trust and affirmation. So I think that's one thing. People, many of us with disability aren't known as having a disability in our congregation. You know, with epilepsy, with fibromyalgia, with chronic pain, with with HIV/AIDS, with depression, so many of us learning disability are not known in the congregation as having a disability. Also, we haven't been good advocates within our congregations. We've been good advocates sometimes at work and in our educational settings, but we haven't confronted our religious leaders and said, Rabbi or Father or Pastor, I have as much right to be honored and welcomed here as any other person. That's very hard to do in the religious community. And the the third reason is very sad. There is almost no education in our seminaries, in America's seminaries, Mm. about issues of disability. I've been uh, learning a lot the last five years uh, from the um, Association of Theological Schools. This is the accrediting body of seminaries in North America. And... um, and I've been pressing them about policies. How many seminaries have actually have a disability policy? How many seminaries are totally wheelchair accessible? How many seminaries in their instruction teach about disability theology and teach about the gifts and talents which those of us will bring to our congregations? And it's a sad commentary. And frankly, that's why we at the National Organization on Disability has formed, have formed a seminary project to nudge those seminaries to a new awareness. So I think all of those things um, come to count. Uh, our efforts, yours and mine, it's really about education and encouragement. And one moment you're educating and the next moment you're encouraging. And we just can't give up. We just got to do it 24 hours a day, as you've indicated. Yes, Juan, you do. And you know what? That is an excellent point about the uh, seminaries. I Mm -hmm. never thought of that. But that is, you know, it's sad, but thank goodness that 
we realize that so that, you know, we can all work to do something about it because, you know, I never thought of that, but I'm sure that's true. And as Jenny mentioned about epilepsy, of course, you know, if you haven't heard me, I talk about this frequently, but I am a person with epilepsy. And many people with epilepsy, just as Jenny mentioned, they do not want to disclose this because of, in their mind, the stigma that is attached to it today. Um, so she, you know, you're right. There are many people that go to church and whether they have, uh, epilepsy or bipolar depression or whatever, diabetes or MS, people wouldn't know by seeing them. But once they get into an environment that's very welcoming, then people will be able to talk about what they're dealing with. And then they can be a role model for others. Uh, they, with their disability, can unlock uh, situations that have uh, not <laughs> seen light. Um, in a congregation, I always suggest that uh, be formed a task force on disability issues. Uh, congregations can call it a, a disability committee, whatever. But um, there ought to be in every congregation a central group of people led by people with disabilities. Um, of course, family members would be welcome to disability professionals, therapists of various kinds, physicians would be welcome, uh, carpenters, <laughs> PR types, all kinds of people who have a passion and a focus. And you know, Joyce, who are comfortable talking about and advocating on behalf of people with disabilities. And my model is that you, pretend you and I were in the same congregation, you would be an advocate for Peter, my son Peter. Mm-hmm. You would say, why, there's no reason Peter can't uh, light the candles. Mm-hmm. That's, of course he can light the candles. And I, as Peter's mother, don't have to beg for this opportunity for him. And I then can suggest that our friend who's blind read scripture. Mm-hmm. There's no reason that Joe, who's blind, can't be next week's reader of scripture. That cross-disability advocacy in a congregation is uh, is really important and uh, just so wonderful. Yeah, that is where it is. That is where it is. That is, and truthfully, this is the time when you should love your neighbor. I mean, this is a time when you can help so much by speaking up from someone else. And I'm just thinking of this as Jenny's talking. If you're listening to the show today and you're thinking, oh, you know, my church needs to be hearing about this, once again, first, go to www.nod.org to get this beautiful publication downloaded, That All May Worship. Start there. But in addition, guess what? You can link to my website at voiceamerica.com. This show will be archived at voiceamerica.com and on benderconsult.com, and you are free to use this at your church, synagogue, or mosque and listen to Jenny Thornburg talking about this. So feel free to do that. I, I just think it's so important. And I know that what you do, Jenny, is rather than just um, going speaking at one synagogue or at a church, you have conferences uh, across the United States. Do you want to tell our listeners about that and how that works? Certainly. Uh, they're called That All May Worship Conferences. And uh, the design, Joyce, is, um, came from my understanding. We have these two huge communities. We have our community, the disability community, which is made up of 54 million of us, and I'd like to think there's 
one person who loves each of us. So it's two-fifths of the American people in the disability community. And then you have the religious community. And these are like two huge ships passing in the night. There, there's no antagonism, but there's very little dialogue. And so these community-building conferences, and they can be held in tiny towns, they can be held in big cities like Chicago. Uh, these, this is gathering the disability community and the religious community together to begin to under, understand each other, appreciate each other, and realize that they need each other. And we've now helped nurture uh, over 250 of these That All May Worship conferences. We don't run them. They're run by the community. But we give suggestions, and I, I call myself the behind-the-scenes coach, uh, helping with the timeline, helping with ideas, helping uh, send the conference organizers brochures from previous conferences. And, but this concept, That All May Worship, not just some people worshiping, not just the elite worship. Every single one of us has a right to worship in the congregation of our choice. And uh, these conferences have been just wonderful, and I, I thank you for a moment to talk about them. Our second guide, I mentioned our guide, That All May Worship. Uh, the second guide we um, published was called is called From Barriers to Bridges, and it's a community-building guide. It, it helps... Uh, it tells the reader how to give a That All May Worship conference and how to do a lot of other things in the community, bringing the disability community into dialogue with the religious community. And uh, that's a great book, too. Our third guide is called Loving Justice, and it is uh, important because it summarizes the Americans with Disabilities Act, and it tells how the ADA, our bill, our civil rights bill, the ADA, applies to the religious community. The religious community kind of sometimes pretends it, it uh, oh, that's, we're not involved in that. But in fact, in very specific ways, the religious community is involved under, is, um, under the Americans with Disabilities Act. For example, if your congregation has a, uh, let's suppose you give a play, Godspell, or a, a play of any kind, and you have it in the sanctuary, if you charge money for those tickets, even though it's in the sanctuary, it then becomes a public accommodation, mm. and that is covered under the Americans with Disabilities Act. Suppose you have a senior citizens group that meets from 11 to 3 every day in your congregation, and you're receiving state and county money, you're then... The congregation then, not the sanctuary itself, but the other part of the building is under the Americans with Disabilities Act. If you have 15 or more employees, if you're a religious nursing home, a Beth Israel nursing home, or Sacred Heart Hospital, or a, a, a seminary, a Princeton Theological Seminary, if you have 15 or more employees, the per employee provisions, which are uh, Title I of the ADA, apply. So they're very important ways, and our guide, Loving Justice, which is on our website, www.nod.org slash religion. Um, it's a way to find out about uh, our guides and many other things. How about that? Now, that gives you a lot to think about. And we will be talking more to this great civil rights leader, Jenny Thornburg, right after break. Don't go away. You're listening to Voice America, where disability does matter. We'll be right back.
From our home to your speakers, voiceamerica.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. Ever wonder what are the favorite travel destinations of the Hollywood Jet Set? Where do celebrities like to go when they aren't walking the red carpet? Tune in to Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk with President of Traveris, David Manning, and Lisa O'Hurley, golf aficionado and wife of actor John O'Hurley. On Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk, David and Lisa talk with well-known actors, sports celebrities, and entertainment insiders to find out about their favorite travel destinations and what they recommend. On Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk, David and Lisa also offer up feature vacations each week and last-minute deals for your next getaway. Find out what's new and exciting in the travel industry, as well as how to raise money for your nonprofit organizations while enjoying a wonderful vacation. Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk with David Manning and Lisa O'Hurley broadcasts each Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk, your inside look into celebrities and travel. Join Patricia Raskin, host of Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com, Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call in to Positive Living Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern and 11 a.m. Pacific Time right here on VoiceAmerica.com. Bringing you around the world right from your desktop. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at one 866 472 5788. Now, please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender. And welcome back. And we are talking to Mrs. Jenny Thornburg, First Lady of Pennsylvania. You know, she was married to that person that you may have heard of, Dick Thornburg, who was one of not only the greatest governors of Pennsylvania, but United States Attorney General when the Americans with Disabilities Act was passed, and I want to tell you, they're both still advocates for people with disabilities, and it is so wonderful to have Jenny with us today. And I think we have a caller on the line, Stan. Yes. Go ahead. Hi. Uh, first of all, thanks for taking my call. Uh, Jenny, it's a pleasure to speak with you. Hi, Stan. Hi. Um, the reason I'm calling is that um, I actually uh, run a small, uh, relatively new disability ministry where our call is to actually, you know, to encourage the church to follow the biblical command to go out at once into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what, what Jesus said. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, one of the things that you said um, during the last segment that really struck me was um, the things that, that need to be done, and number one was actually confronting um, you know the religious leaders, and and not not in a um, uh, in a mean way, but in a way that that brings the issue to the forefront and asks them to make a decision. Mm-hmm. And so, Good. what I want my question well, is is two pronged. Is actually for um, 
the the smaller startups like us, we're five hundred one c three tax exempt, and um, of basically how to get funding to survive. You know the, the initial stages of you know of doing this kind of work, um, and num- and because maybe there's funding available at the national level. And number two is the actual um, ponding the pavement, um, which is at, you know going and talking to uh, the religious leaders and asking them to basically change what they're doing mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, to consider, we have a very disabled daughter, so we're, we're speaking from experience. Oh, sure. Um, and so to ask them how to, uh, you know, in a, in a kind but firm way that, you know, that there is a biblical mandate for them mm-hmm. to, uh, to take care of the disabled and to incorporate them into the, corp- the uh, congregation. So do you have any words on, on those two issues on, you know, sort of, on an organizational standpoint on kind of, you know, perhaps with funding and number two, with just the the, the um, you know the feet on the street kind of thing of, of sure. converting a, a knock on the door into a uh, um, into an event. Well, you remind me of um, a, a friend who was starting up a similar uh, ministry, who went with his family to a variety of churches and just um, were there and with their daughter, and that was um, an educational moment for that congregation. And then when they were saying goodbye to the pastor going out, it was a moment to talk to the religious leader about not only the right of their daughter to worship, but the gifts that she brings. And then an appointment was made following that going out uh, to come and talk further. Um, I think when, you know, um, it's something about, you get a lot of mail, but there's something about seeing the eyes of, when, when you and I are passionate about something, Stan, when something means so much to us, it's harder to say no. So if you're forming a community group, I think just start going, whether it's a Saturday night service or a Sunday morning service, just start visiting, actually visiting. And I've discovered that I enjoy learning about other congregations, the way they worship, the way they practice, and uh, that's one good way to get going. Money is tough, but thinking creatively is free. And that's what we can't be. A lot of people use money as an excuse because some of the things that are needed in a congregation are expensive. But to love and to offer friendship and to have fun and joy and read scripture, that's free. Mm-hmm. And I think we just have to have that kind of a joy-filled, encouraging, but firm approach. Um, and um, amazing things will happen. And I think that the idea there that Jenny has that is very creative is, of course, I'm not saying to not keep going to the church you go to, but on a regular basis to visiting other churches. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think what she's saying is that it's one thing to write a letter or call someone and say, here I have this company, would you make it? You know, I, I really care about helping people with disabilities. But if you're there with your daughter and they see her and see in your eyes that this is for real and what you mean, mm-hmm. there are many churches today and synagogues involved in those interfaith ministries, so you just never know what could happen. Yep. But, but, you know, I think that would be a good idea to continue from synagogues to churches to visiting 
ongoing trying to open their their eyes to this. And what I've discovered, Stan, uh, after these 16 and a half years, is there isn't a Methodist or a Reformed Jewish or Roman Catholic or a Baptist way to welcome people with disabilities, to welcome and honor children and adults with disabilities. <laughs> There's the right way. And and so it's as you travel from congregation to congregation, you'll, you'll be able to sense the people who honor you and treat you with dignity and respect uh, and, the, and those who haven't yet learned how to do that. And, Stan, what is the name of, you want to go over the name of your uh, organization? We're called uh, Encouraging Angels. Ah, okay. uh, great. And what is the yeah. website there? It is, uh, there's no www, so just start after the two backslashes. And it's web.mac.com backslash encouraging angels. Okay. You want to say that one more time? Yep. Uh, web.mac.com backslash encouraging angels. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I'll tell you, I know, I know, uh, of Stan and his family, and I'm going to tell you, he's the real deal. <laughs> so he is. So make sure you check that out. I, yeah. um, he and he's very genuine. And Stan, thank you very much for calling in. Thanks. All right. And I think I'm not sure, but do we have another caller on the line? Hello. Yes, we do. I know that voice. <laughs> Hi, Jenny. It's Joan. Oh, Joan. How Yay. are you? Hello. Pittsburgh's best. It's, well, <laughs> no, Pittsburgh's best is on the other end of the line too. <laughs> Oh, let me brag about you a moment. Um, those of you listening who are not from Pittsburgh need to know that Joan Stein was the person who insisted and and lent the technical assistance so that PNC Park, our, our fabulous new baseball stadium for the Pittsburgh Pirates, is the most compliant stadium in America. And that is was no small... Accomplishment was it? Well, uh, thank you, Jenny. That's a wonderful compliment, and I can't take full responsibility. My my partners worked very, very hard with me on that. But the the truth the truth actually is that Kevin McClatchy, the owner of the Pirates, um, was very, very willing and anxious mm-hmm. to to do it the right way and had the right attitude. And truthfully. The reason, one of the main reasons why PNC Park is the most accessible ballpark in the country is that they went beyond just the bricks and the mortar of it. Um, and that's exactly what we want the congregations yes, of America exactly. to do. Exactly. It's the attitude. That's um, right. We, I trained all the employees before opening season mm-hmm. on how to interact appropriately mm-hmm. with patrons with disabilities because mm-hmm. I say to people all the time, you can build the Taj Mahal of accessibility, but if people aren't treated with respect, um, it doesn't matter. That's right. And it, the same is true in our, hall, in our homes of worship. Yep. Um, we have to be treated with respect regardless yep. of what we look like or whether we can walk or not or hear or see. Sure. And it is, it is, it is so critical. Um, I, I am very proud, and, and Ginny and Joyce know this because I brag about it all the time. My my temple, Temple Sinai here in Pittsburgh, we finished um, actually a year ago our renovations to our um, 
to our sanctuary, and our sanctuary is completely accessible. Our altar is so accessible that if any of our rabbis or any visiting pulpit member came, our 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 ark is completely accessible. And, and it, what what that says when the bima, when the ark, when the altar or chancel uh, are accessible, even if at this moment you don't have somebody with a mobility disability. You are saying that future leaders exactly. are are welcome here. Exactly. It, 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 it's, it's a visionary thing. And, you know, I think as, as I'm getting older and, and more aware of my vulnerability as an older American, it's such an affirming thing knowing that the house of God where you worship will welcome you in your older years. And, and you know, the irony of this is I say to religious leaders and to the people who are responsible for their facilities, when you get older or when you get ill, do you think your need for spirituality decreases? Well, as a matter of fact, statistically, um, as we age, we become more interested in spiritual and religious of course. issues. Yeah. Of course. So yeah. why would why would you think that you would have less of a need or a desire yeah. to come and pray? Yeah. Now, I, I wanted to mention I was thrilled to listen to you talk about Loving Justice and, oh, and that, that publication because as an ADA consultant, I hear too often people say, well, we're a religious organizations, so we're exempt. And I want to say to them, A, that's really the wrong attitude to have. Yeah. And B, there are many different things that happen within the walls of your building. Um, our temple, for example, A, embraced ADA hook, line, and sinker, but we're also part of the community. We host Al-Anon meetings. We uh, host all kinds of things. And we never, our, our leadership never said, well, we're not going to do it because we're exempt. Yeah, and so I think you know, organi- religious organizations need to look beyond. Or as the head of the Union for Reform Judaism said, we answer to a higher calling. <laughs> well, and and scripture of way beyond the Judeo-Christian tradition, right. uh, central to scripture is hospitality. Exactly, the concept mm-hmm. of hospitality, and that's really what this is about. Exactly. So before, before we go to break, I just want to say one thing. You know, this says it all about interfaith because Joan Stein, CEO of ADA Inc., one of the best in the country, let me say. Thank you. Is my, we always say we were, you know, separated at birth <laughs> because let me tell you what though. She has uh, a Jewish faith. I have a Christian faith, but we have one God and we right. are very, very inseparable. And, Joan, thank you for calling. Thank you, Joyce. And, Jenny, God bless you. God bless you, Joan. We've got to go to break, but we'll be right back. You're listening to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender on voiceamerica.com. We'll be back. Conversation at a click of a mouse. Voiceamerica.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. 
the woman MVP who sets you free with host, entrepreneur, author, motivational speaker, corporate executive, philanthropist, wife, and mother, Luann Mitchell-Halter, is an exciting and provocative look at the real world with real exciting guests and real stories of triumph and professionalism with a dash of spice sharing recipes for a better world on all the playing fields of life. Join Luann Mitchell-Halter as she and her guests uncover and expose us to our abilities to create our very own Big League MVP, My Victory Plan, Potential for Greatness. The Woman MVP Who Sets You Free with Luann Mitchell-Halter broadcast each Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. The Woman MVP Who Sets You Free. It's time to get off the bleachers, play the game of life, and be the MVP. Albert Einstein once said, nothing happens until something moves. Will your movement towards realizing a dream, making a long-lasting change to your life, or simply putting a daily smile on your face is just a click away. Tune into Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney and Free Your Mind. Open your heart and ignite action in your life. Host and commander in change, empowerment coach, and international speaker, Scott Chesney shares his insights to making the most out of your daily lives. Scott interviews people who are maximizing their lives, the most recognizable transformationalists and leaders around the world, as well as those hometown heroes that move, touch, and inspire the best in all of us. Stay tuned into Maximizing Life for Scott's one-on-one coaching with callers. Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney broadcasts each Monday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney, inspiring you to live life with passion, purpose, and limitless potential. The powerhouse of Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. If you have a question or comment, call in toll free at 1 866 472 5788. Now, please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender. And welcome back. And today we've been talking to someone I really admire and look up to. One of those people I just feel blessed that. I've had the opportunity of knowing, and that is Mrs. Jenny Thornburg, the Director of Religion and Disability Program for the National Organization on Disability and a true civil rights leader for Americans with disabilities in the area of religion and worship especially. And before I forget, uh, you know, when you were talking about how people sometimes don't want to deal with their disability um, in church and what has happened to them, I wanted to give you a special uh, commendation from Tony Quello, the author of the ADA, who I saw just uh, yesterday, and when I was telling him that you were going to be on the show, uh, spoke so highly of you and wanted me to make sure I mentioned on the air um, how important he thinks it is what you're doing. He's always been a, a good friend of the disability community and always particularly supported uh, religious access and spiritual access because he had a time when he was not welcome in his in his church and mm-hmm. that was very very hurtful and instead of t- uh, folding his tent and going away he used it as a moment of insight and uh, now is very very strong about um, congregational access and congregational welcome yes he is and he definitely, definitely, you know, thank goodness he didn't fold that tent up and go away. <laughs> thank goodness. But he, he did want me to mention that on the air, Great. how important he thinks it is what you're doing, and I'm sure it does relate 
all suit of what he went through, but I wanted to make sure I mentioned that. Jenny, I know that you are responsible for a very important prayer on July 26, 1990. Would you mind sharing with our listeners a little bit about that? Well, that date, most of our listeners will know, the 26th of July, 1990, was the day when the Americans with Disabilities Act, our bill, our civil rights bill, uh, was signed into law, um, and it was signed into law on the on the on the huge lawn of the White House. And it was it was kind of fun being a part living in Washington at that time, as you mentioned. Uh, Dick was our Attorney General, and was um, helpful in making sure the bill reflected the goals of both the Democratic Party and the Republican Party, kind of going back and forth with both parties and finding the proper the proper wording and uh, the wording that would be important to George H.W. Um, Bush, President Bush 41. So once the bill was it was determined it was going to be signed, um, and incidentally, initially, it was going to be signed just in one of the smaller rooms within the White House that might hold 150 people or 200 people. And when the advocates, <laughs> like Justin and all the good advocates, got wind of that, we just said, no way. This bill is a result of thousands and thousands and thousands of Americans throughout this country from every state and every community working. And to hold it in a small room won't work. So that's, it ended up being on the White House lawn. Mm -hmm. And it was, of course, it was frightening. It was going to be too hot or it was going to rain or something. It was a perfect day. Absolutely perfect day. Well, I being a person of faith, uh, asked, um, could we not have a prayer at the bill signing? Well, of course, the White House people, being smarter than I, said, pop, 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 I can't have a prayer at a bill signing. And I said, well, what about a blessing? And they thought about it, and they thought about it, and they agreed that we could have a blessing. To our knowledge, it is the only time there has been a blessing in the history of our country um, at a bill signing. I, I don't, I'm not a historian. I haven't checked every single bill, but nobody has countered that um, word as I've said it. So to to perform this blessing, um, Harold Wilkie, whom I mentioned at the top of your show, was invited. He is uh, an interfaith guy, although he was uh, a United Church of Christ pastor who just died four years ago. And Harold, I, well, I called him and said, Harold, you have been invited to give the blessing at this bill. So he, in those days, we didn't have email. So he called back later and he'd written it, and it was five minutes long, the blessing. Because he had been thinking about this for, you know, 70 or 80 years. <laughs> so he had a lot to say. Well, the White House gave him 50 seconds. You know, the White House wow. scripts, scripts things very, very closely. So <laughs> 50 seconds, and he, he it was very hard for him to cut it, but he cut it down. And I'll read you just a little portion. I, uh, uh, this is on my wall. I can read it easily. He said, Let my people go was your decree, O God, commanding that all your children be freed from the bonds of slavery. Today we celebrate the breaking of the chains which have held back millions of Americans with disability. Today we celebrate the granting to them of full citizenship 
and access to the promised land of work, service, and community. And and then well, he went on. It was just the best. And then President Bush, at the end of the signing, uh, handed Harold Wilkie, the pastor, the signing pen, the first signing pen. And Harold uses, used his toes, as you and I might use our fingers, Mm-hmm. And so the the picture that we all have on our hearts in, in various ADA books is of the president handing to Reverend Wilkie the signing pen, and he's accepting it in his on his in his toes. Uh, is, and that is so. I mean, <laughs> that says it all, right? Great story. Great that, story. That, and that is such a and great story. To, frankly, to have the faith community central. Because the faith community has not been central in our disability community. And to have Harold give a totally interfaith prayer and have him represent all of us as children of God was very important. Oh, that is. And you know what? I think it's so unbelievable. Obviously, God had a plan for you. Because here you are, this this blessing, as they call it, is said at the signing of the Americans with Disabilities Act and now look what you're doing. So you started there and you've continued there and you're still going there. Well, Joyce, you and I have a lot of work to do, and, and so do your listeners, uh, those of us who are advocates, those of us who believe in full accommodation and full rights. We, we may not rest, and um, we may not rest because others uh, are coming along who don't have the energy Possibly, or the vision, or the or the funds, or other kinds of things that you and I've been blessed with. We cannot rest until this nation understands how able people with disabilities are, and and that they long to contribute to the fullest degree possible. Yes, and may I say, this is connected to employment, because if you go to a church or synagogue or mosque, and you suddenly see people with disabilities, as Jenny mentioned reading the scriptures or lighting the candles, but participating, it may suddenly occur to you, well, wait a minute, I'm surprised they can do this, and maybe they too can work. Well, and you'll be interested on our website, Joyce, uh, one of our new last two years addition to our website, www.nod.org slash religion, is a interfaith directory of religious leaders with disabilities. Uh, lifting up the lives and the work of uh, not only ordained pastors, but seminary faculty and religious educators and seminarians. Well, that is awesome. Well, Jenny, it has been an honor to have you on the show today. What message do you want to leave with our listeners today, Jenny? The message is this, Joyce. There are no barriers to God's love there should be no barriers in God's house. Oh, well, that says it all. And I always end with a quote from a famous civil rights leader, but not today. No, today I'm going to leave you with a quote from a scripture in That All May Worship. It starts by saying from Isaiah 56.5, For my house shall be a house of prayer for all people. And isn't that what it's all about? Jenny, keep on. We're so proud of you, and thank you for being with us today. Thank you for this invitation, Joyce. And you've been listening to Joyce Bender, America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. See you next week.
Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.